meant to put everything on. Okay, there we are. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. So let's try that again. Shalom. Shalom. Awesome. That's so good. And we could take it a little bit further and say, Shalom, Alachem, Bashem, Yeshua, Mashikainu. Okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, <laughs> very good. Um, Co pilot, you want to put that up? Uh, the, uh, uh, not what I said, <laughs> but uh, the PowerPoint. That'll be great. Um, you know, um, being in uh, East St. Kilda, which is the Holy Land, I've got to remember I'm pointed there, right? It works, it works, you see? No, oh, hang on, go back. There you go. The Holy Land there, you can see. Um, uh, of course, we uh, are very busy on that side of, uh, you know, Melbourne, and uh, uh, we love to get together just like you do here. Um, and of course, uh, in the Jewish community, um, you can see all of the different uh, areas encompassed there, but the Jewish community is uh, even further than that, um, because uh, the price of homes <laughs> has forced everybody out you know, from these, uh, these areas, and uh, got to find a place where you can, you can actually afford a home, <laughs> and so that's how it goes at the moment. But um, nevertheless... Within that little uh, area there, the, the red border that you see, uh, there's, uh, there's more than 45 synagogues and um, uh, around uh, 50 to 60,000 Jewish people that live there. Uh, so uh, Melbourne has the largest Jewish community. And of course, uh, the ministry that I represent uh, this morning uh, is that we want to bring the uh, 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 the message to the original messengers. And having said that, I want to say thank you to Pastor David and to Diane. Um, you have been such wonderful hosts, brother. And I always love being with you and just to talk over things. And uh, it's, it's been really fun last night. And uh, that we can, you know, we can... We can uh, talk about difficult things. Uh, life is not always, you know, all sunshine. <laughs> so, sometimes you've got to go through difficult stuff. So thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for inviting us here. So you say, why? You know, what has Jewish people got to do with me? Well, <laughs> that's the story, you see. That's the story of uh, how we come to be here today. Um, Jewish people have been faithful, very faithful, um, in terms of uh, the scriptures, um, in terms of uh, uh, um, just just being, just being, and and God has been uh, utterly faithful in preserving us in so many wonderful ways. So, as I reach out, um, I was uh, sharing with uh, David last night uh, just some of the things that I've been up to. Um, uh, of course, uh, sharing the gospel with Jewish people um, is not always straightforward. <laughs> you've, you've got to kind of, um, you know, uh, just be able to roll with the punches, <laughs> so to say, uh, because it can get quite heated in conversation and so forth. But nevertheless, the gospel needs to go forward. And most Jewish people today don't hear about it. Um, and uh, I, I guess um, 
you know, as we look forward, hopefully, hopefully, you know, when you come to the Holy Land there, uh, you will share with my people about Jesus. Uh, that would be great um, because uh, we, we certainly um, are, are, we, we are in great need. We are in great need. Um, I share uh, about, uh, uh, about the Lord to people who will listen. Um, uh, don't always get that opportunity because most people don't want to hear about God <laughs> in today's life. You know, and of course, I speak in the Jewish context, but generally, that's how it is, isn't it? Um, that's, that's how it is. So pray for us. Uh, pray you know, that um, uh, I will have more um, conversations. I'll have more openings. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's always something going on. And I'm, I'm, I meet Jewish people all the time. My family is Jewish. The Jewish community knows me uh, fairly well. Uh, they say, don't go near that one. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's not kosher and so forth. But uh, anyway, guess what? Uh, my Messiah has made me kosher. And that's the important part, isn't it? And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more, and I don't want to take up time to uh, explain more than that at the moment, but uh, please do look at the table. Uh, here's one of our little newsletters that we send out, Messiah, one of us. Um, and uh, you know, you're welcome to help yourself uh, to those newsletters. Um, I'm also taking a, um, a group of people from Australia, uh, to Israel next year, uh, and Petra as well, and the tour is all about covenant and grace. And so those moms and dads here with uh, children have no excuse because it's going to be during school holidays. Yes. <laughs> come, come. And so it brings us to this morning and, um, uh, you know, this, this uh, very central uh, message um, that is part of 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 my uh, my uh, witnessing uh, to Jewish people uh, uh, this uh, gospel of Isaiah is 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 one of our Messiah's uh, credentials, if you would like, and so I would. Love us to take a look at the death, burial, and resurrection uh, of uh, the Messiah from a Jewish perspective. We are going to see how the gospel was promised already in the Old Testament as the Apostle Paul explained. And he says in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, and uh, I hope that I, I get it right. Oh, oh. Okay, thank you. Uh, you. You've got it there, co-pilot, so that's great. Now, you're not going to sleep here this morning, so we're going to read together. Is that okay? Okay, let's go. Paul defines the gospel to the Romans and, he, and says it is the gospel he promised uh, beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Well, there are many prophets uh, we can look at today. 
But today we are going to uh, look at the gospel in the prophet Isaiah. You know, um, I had, uh, as I say to you, I do meet a lot of Jewish folk, uh, and most of the Jewish folk I meet do not know much about who Jesus is, except that Jesus is for Christians, not for Jews, okay? I was invited uh, by a friend of mine um, uh, to meet another Jewish man um, and uh, just to uh, be able to, um, you know, see if we could could, uh, talk together. When I met Obadiah, uh, uh, Obadiah is a baker. So he makes beautiful uh, uh, challah. Challah is uh, a bread that you would have on the Sabbath. It's beautiful. If you've ever, never had it, try and get a loaf of challah. Uh, and uh, he, he makes amazing bagels. You've had a bagel maybe, yes. Those are, it's really nice. You know, when people eat bagels, they feel ripped off because there's a hole in the middle. But um, <laughs> nevertheless, it's really nice. And... Um, I saw Obadiah at work, and then I said to him, would you mind, can we uh, get together uh, later on, and uh, I would love to uh, chat to you. He said, yeah, no, that'll be great. Um, And so uh, later on that evening, I met with Obadiah, and uh, he gave me his Tanakh. He gave me his uh, his Bible, uh, which is the Jewish Bible. It's only got the Old Testament. Okay, there's no New Testament in uh, the Jewish Bible. That Jewish people don't have the New Testament. And um, so I start to uh, just uh, uh, put little pieces of paper into various uh, readings, uh, uh, right from Genesis all the way through to Malachi and so forth. And then when we arrived at, uh, at the prophet Isaiah, uh, and uh, part of that is what Pastor David read uh, here this morning into 52, 53. I stopped Obadiah and I said, Obadiah, who is that speaking of? Who is that speaking of? And he looked at me and he said, Barry, that's Jesus. So if my Jewish people are truly uh, honest, and, um, uh, you know, with, without fear, they, they really know. They really know. And let me tell you, at the end of our time together, he wanted to receive Jesus as his Messiah. Many other Jewish lives have been changed also through this amazing chapter. And Isaiah 53 is one of what we have now come to know as the servant songs of Isaiah. These servant songs are found in Isaiah chapters 42 to 61. Uh, While some of these servant songs could be a reference to the nation of Israel as a whole, other servant songs are clearly speaking about an individual. We believe that the prophecy in Isaiah 53, which actually begins in uh, 52 verse 13, is specifically speaking about an individual servant of the Lord. Who, can, uh, uh, who we can identify as the Messiah. As we uh, look at the text, we will see uh, why it is clearly speaking about an individual, um, 
uh, who takes our sins upon him. The identity of the servant of the Lord in Isaiah 53 continues to be a debate uh, between Jewish and Messianic uh, Jewish scholars. Uh, So Messianic uh, are Jews who have come to faith in Jesus like myself. I've divided this uh, portion of scripture uh, up into uh, uh, five sections here this morning and we'll go through uh, some of them. Uh, Isaiah, uh, the first one is uh, in Isaiah 52, the Messianic paradox. The second is uh, again uh, 53, uh, the Messianic message, uh, message uh, 53 again, the Messianic sacrifice. Fourthly, again in 53, the Messianic death and burial. And then finally in uh, our fifth session, we'll see the Messianic ministry. So, co-pilot, you are doing great there. Thank you so much. Let's go to Isaiah 52, please, 13 to 15. Okay, let's read at the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. Isaiah begins the servant song by introducing the servant. In verses 13, it says that my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now, the term highly exalted in in Hebrew, Venetia, is mostly used only of God, which is quite interesting for us here today. I think we see very clearly here a three-phase exaltation of the servant, which was fulfilled by Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. The servant will be firstly, thank you, co-pilot, you're doing good, uh, he'll be raised up. Uh, okay. Uh, sorry, I don't, don't, uh, don't have that. So just go back again. He will be raised up. S- stay on that one. Yes, that's it. Speaking of Yeshua's resurrection from the dead, he will be lifted up. Speaking of Yeshua's ascension into heaven. And thirdly, he will be highly exalted. Speaking of his session, he's sitting down at the right hand of God. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he says uh, of the Messiah in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, he says this, this power he exercised in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of in heaven. He is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, and every name that is named. In verse 13, uh, we see here, it says, His appearance was so disfigured. We can see that there. He was so disfigured beyond that of any human being. And his form marred beyond human likeness. This is truly uh, 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 speaking about the crucifixion of our Messiah. He was so badly tortured and beaten by the Roman soldiers. 
before his crucifixion. He was barely recognizable. This verse poses a messianic paradox for us. How can this servant at one moment be exalted and at another be humiliated and be caused to suffer and be disfigured? Well, this messianic paradox uh, caused, uh, caused ancient rabbis much consternation. How can the Messiah both suffer and be glorified at the same time? So they came up with um, uh, uh, the idea of two messiahs with two different roles. Uh, messiah ben Yosef, who is the suffering uh, messiah, and then we have Messiah ben David, who is the victorious Messiah. But the cross, too, is a paradox. The cross, the place of torture and death, became the place of victory. The cross became the place on which the Messiah defeated his enemies of death and the devil for he was raised from the dead and he disarmed death. And so through our faith in him, we, have, uh, we will never taste death again. The cross is the place that God has brought us atonement, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. If we believe it's true, um, through Yeshua the Messiah. For this is what it says in verse 15, so he will sprinkle many nations. The word sprinkling has the priestly idea of making atonement. And you can uh, clearly see this in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verses 14 to 15. And so it was that Yeshua's blood was shed on the cross to bring us forgiveness, uh, atonement, he has not only brought us forgiveness for Israel as a nation, but for every other nation as well. So let's see this second session here, the Messianic message. And we're going to read together Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 3. 1, 2, 3. Thank you. The prophet Isaiah here begins chapter 53 with a question that is more like a lament. Who has believed our message? It is as though the prophet projects himself into the future and predicts that the message of the Messiah would not be believed. And of course, this is still our lament today. Not many of our Jewish people have believed this message. Not uh, even the majority of the Gentile world. 
In verse two, we see here, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I believe speaks of the time in which the Messiah was born. He was born in times of great spiritual dryness. He was like a root out of dry ground. The priesthood had become completely corrupt in those days. The Romans were ruling and oppressing the people and the nation of Israel had not um, heard the words of God uh, through a prophet for 400 years. It was truly dry times. There was nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. This is contrary to all those pictures and movies <laughs> made about Yeshua, um, where he looks more Danish than Jewish, right? The scriptures say he was not physically beautiful. The Messiah had to be plain, otherwise he would have attracted people for the wrong reasons. Verse three says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from uh, whom people hide their faces. He was despised and, he, and we held him in low esteem. This speaks of the fact that the Messiah was despised and rejected by his very own people. The people he came to save. This verse uh, really spoke to me when I wondered uh, why my Jewish people did not accept Yeshua as the Messiah. You know, um, uh, speaking to David last night and um, we uh, just uh, went over uh, then what uh, I had been up to and David told me what he'd been up to and so forth. Um, I, I've been speaking to a rabbi recently uh, who um, has uh, invited me several times to, uh, uh, to be with him. Uh, and, and this happened truly by the hand of the Lord. And the um, last time I met with uh, Rabbi uh, Effie um, was the time where I was about to reveal my faith uh, in Jesus the Messiah to him. I didn't have the opportunities before because it wasn't uh, the right time to do so. But we sat down together at the table um, and then he said, okay, tell me. And so right there and then I had the opportunity to share with him my faith in my living Messiah and that is Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know him as Jesus Christ. We know him as Yeshua. And still, there's a veil. There's a veil over, over, over if he's um, uh, spiritual eyes. Please pray for us friends, because it's truly only, the, only God that can remove the veil, you know, that we can, we can come to faith. It's extraordinary that you can be here. Extraordinary, absolutely, you know, <laughs> this is only God. It's wonderful. So the pr prophet uh, 
had already predicted 700 years before that his own people would reject the Messiah. The Gospel of John says that he came unto his own, but his, yes, his own received him not. And so we come to the third session here this morning, and that is the messianic sacrifice. Uh, And this is in Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. One, two, three. I don't think there is another passage in Scripture, both Old and New Testament, that sums up so well in clear language what the Messiah has done for us. He has taken our sins upon himself as our sin bearer. People thought that Yeshua was dying on for, uh, for his own sins. But Isaiah said that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us shalom was upon him. The peace that we can experience uh, is the peace that comes from a relationship with God. For once our sins are forgiven, we can know God in a beautiful, intimate way. Romans uh, chapter five, verse one says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua. Verse six says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We all, we have all turned to our own way. We have all turned, yes, to our own ways of uh, trying to get to God. How many times have I heard people say, I have my own ideas on religion. Well, that's exactly the problem. We we all have our own ways. We have all gone astray. But what about God's way? God's way is through the Messiah that he sent as a sin bearer for us. John chapter three verse 16 clearly says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so that brings us now to the fourth session that we wanna have a look at, the messianic death and burial in Isaiah chapter 53 verses seven to nine. One, two, three. Thank you. 
Thank you. The first sentence uh, of the section shows us the voluntary nature of the servant's suffering. He did not open his mouth. This passage is describing the manner in which Yeshua was judged and uh, his patience and silence when he stood before the Jewish Sanhedrin and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. It is not as though Yeshua remained utterly mute uh, through his time uh, uh, of this trial, but he never answered any of the false accusations that were, uh, that, uh, that were brought against him. He only ever answered when the accusations were not false, but true. Like when he was asked, are you the king of the Jews? He said, yes. Verse 8 says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. This, I believe, is a reference to the way in which Yeshua was prosecuted. The Jewish Sanhedrin was always guided in the judicial proceedings by a principle. And that is, uh, it is their business to save life rather than to destroy life. However, in the case of Yeshua, the hasty proceedings that took place uh, in the mock trial before the Sanhedrin were in flagrant contradiction and the regulations that were supposed to govern their procedures. Verse 8 goes on to say, For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. The Messiah died for the transgressions of Isaiah's people the Jewish people, and for their sins, uh, but also for the sins of the entire world. Romans chapter five, verse six to eight says this. You see, at, the, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Messiah died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. Verse 9 describes the death of the Messiah. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich uh, in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He was with the wicked in his death, yes. He was crucified next to two criminals. But instead of being given a criminal's burial, he was placed in a rich man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. And the comment at the end of verse 9 is very important. This uh, all happened to him, even though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. The Messiah was perfect. That is why he could die for the sins of others, 
For when he died, death could not hold him down. And he rose from the dead on the third day according to the gospel. And so let us look at the final session here this morning, the messianic ministry in Isaiah 53, verses 10 to 12. One, two, three. Thank you. The last uh, section here of uh, Isaiah 53 sums up what the Messiah has done for us. His ministry on our behalf. Let me first point out that the uh, prophet says in verse 10 that it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. This brings to naught the accusations that we Jews have had to bear for almost two millennia, and that is that we killed Christ. Anyone who accuses the Jewish people of this crime show the absolute uh, ignorance in the scriptures. For it was the Lord's will that Messiah dies for our sins. And this is what the last part of verse 10 says, the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, korban asham. The Messiah was a guilt offering for sin. And as a offering, he had to be perfect in every way, just as the offerings of old in the temple. This is why uh, uh, Rabbi Shaul, you know him as the Apostle Paul, says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In verse 11, it tells us of the Messiah's resurrection. After his death, he will see the light of life again and be satisfied. As a result of the resurrection, we are justified before God. As it says, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. To be justified means to be made right in God's eyes. Now, uh, none of us deserve to be just in God's eyes. We are all sinners. But God has chosen to give the Messiah as a sacrifice for our sin. So that through faith in him, we are made right before a holy God. Rabbi Shaul again says in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 to 24, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. 
Let me finish uh, off this message here today uh, with the last part of verse 12. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. When Yeshua was on the cross, he prayed for those who crucified him. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And he now is seated at the right hand of God, still interceding on our behalf as the great high priest. Let me ask you here, do you have a high priest like this in your life? Do you have this sin bearer in your life? Either you accept that the Messiah has suffered and bore your sins upon himself, or you will have to bear your sins yourself. Rather let the Messiah be your sin bearer. He longs to do so. He gave his life so that you can live. Don't turn your back on the greatest gift of all, eternal life. And so this morning, friends, we are going to finish with this beautiful passage in 1 Peter. Thank you, co-pilot. 1, 2, 3. Thank you so much for being so patient here this morning. Um, you know, um, I'm uh, the, the uh, my my job is a, I'm a missionary, <laughs> and um, uh, my people that I speak with still uh, need to desperately hear this gospel. It's our only hope. Would you please also pray for Israel right now? Uh, when, if God puts it on your heart, pray for Israel. We need, we need so much uh, prayer. We need, um, we need God's favor uh, in such a real way uh, in the land. And um, I, I thank you. Thank you that um, we stand together. We stand together um, because we have the same Messiah. And I say to you, Shalom, um, uh, until we meet again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>